the Nerd Normie podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we are going to cover two movies. We have the new movie, Mission Impossible 7, uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1. I think that's all the names. Yep. <laughs> and for mine this week, I chose What We Do in the Shadows. Um, I know it's kind of an older one, but we'd like to start the TV show soon, and he hadn't seen it yet, so I figured it'd be a good choice for this week. All right, for um, Mission Impossible, we will do no spoilers and then spoilers because what we do in the shadows, this is for the movie that came out in 2015 or so. Um, We're just going to do one section, so if you don't want to be spoiled for that, go watch it first, Uh, but we will remind you of that when time comes. Alrighty, here we go. And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is gonna cost you dearly. All right, Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1 uh, is directed by Christopher McQuarrie and stars Tom Cruise, Haley Atwa- Atwell, Ving Ram, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, and many more, um, and is the latest in the Mission Impossible franchise, started as a TV show, and then has been several iterations since including the current tom cruise era and uh i was especially off top gun pretty excited for this i have been i've watched all the mission impossible movies and i'm a i would say a reasonable fan of the first three i really like the later three i was super excited for this one and whereas i <laughs> have not seen any of the other ones up until this one and I have complained every single day leading up to this that we have to go see it because I hate Tom Cruise. I loved uh, Top Gun Maverick, okay? But I still don't like Tom Cruise. But we saw this one and I love it. So yeah. maybe I just like Tom Cruise <laughs> when he plays himself as action hero guy. <laughs> yeah, this movie's fantastic. It's exactly what you want. It's smart. It's funny. It's action-packed. It's so funny. And after we watch that, we've started watching some of the other ones. We watched the fourth one today, um, and it was good, but I really like the seventh one. It is so funny. Yeah, I I would say of all seven, this is is probably my favorite. We are re-watching the later three that I mentioned I like more before, Um, so it'll be kind of interesting revisiting those. But for right now, this is probably my favorite. It is really funny at times um particularly simon pegg's benji who is always the comedic relief but he really shines in this movie yeah and like the action is good it's very like my hands were sweating the whole time um it's you can tell when someone does a lot of their own stunts and more practical effects like obviously there's a lot of cgi in it but like for the most part a lot of the stuff is very realistic and it makes it so much more intense i think we've talked about that and we talked yeah. about that during the um indiana jones. indiana jones review as well yeah and the you know you you go into a tom cruise action movie at this point expecting big crazy stunts and he always one one ups himself and you've seen the big stunt from the trailers but it's even all the smaller stunts and stuff where they actually you know because it's tom cruise doing them they can put the camera on his face and it doesn't have that weird you know it's a face replacement on a body double from far away or just a complete cgi 3d body 
awkwardly trying to obey physics as it bounces around or whatever. Um, and it is good for that reason. Like, it really, it's a reasonable, solid story. It's as, you know, it's what you expect from Mission Impossible. The world's gonna end. And Gotta another, get a thing. Yeah, the other thing about it is that, like, none of the gear that they use is that outlandishly crazy like a lot of spy movies they're like oh well we have this so we automatically can teleport over here and i'm like that's just not how it works though you know like obviously some of it's beyond what we are currently capable of making or that we know we are currently capable of making but like it keeps it a lot more realistic while still being crazy and exciting yeah and again, I think that just helps the believability, you know. Another movie we watched was Fast X, which we loved, but for very different reasons, <laughs> because that movie is terrible. Absurd. And, and so you're watching all these crazy CGI gadgets, and you're like, none of this is real, and therefore I can laugh at it all. Whereas all of this, you're like, you know, I know it wouldn't play out like this, but there is a realm of possibility in which this could work. I could see that and the you know having everything line up perfectly no but it works and that's a real credit to the film um in terms of what it's about uh there's a thing it's going to destroy the world they go through a series of steps to try and get said thing and the bad guy tries to stop them yep it it's you know it's a spy movie it's a mission impossible it's an action movie there's not anything groundbreaking um I would also say you don't really need to brush up on your Mission Impossible history. There's a, you know, there's plenty of returning characters, but I think they do a good enough job telling you these are the ones you should care about. Here's a brief bit why and you can orient yourself well enough. I'm sure, you know, if you know these movies inside and out, you'll get a slightly more emotional attachment to certain sequences and characters, but for the most part, you don't need to know every detail going in you're not going to be lost per se i agree with that um and in fact i have seen all these movies a couple times and there was even a sequence which we can talk about in spoilers which i was a little like am i supposed to know or is this just for this movie and it took a little internet googling to orient myself again but it, if you just go in and trust that whatever the movie shows you you can take at face value and you don't need to know anything more you'll be good to go Although that thing you're talking about is in the trailer, but yeah, we will talk about it yeah, in the spoilers. <laughs> what it is yeah. within the context of the movie isn't That's said true. in the trailer. You just see the sequence. Anything else? Did you have something? Yeah, go for it. Um, and I think Haley Atwell is a fantastic addition to these movies. Um, I love her as... Uh, Peggy Carter in the MCU I've always liked that role for her um, and yet this one it's a little different from that um, and she's a little more she's a bit of the audience stand-in in the fact that she's not an action hero outright um, she kind of becomes one by the end of the movie but not in the traditional sense you know and just her reactions to everything, her dynamic with the uh, the rest of the team was really fun and fresh. That's actually what I was going to say before we <laughs> paused for a second was that I really like her chemistry with all of the rest of the cast. Like she just yeah. is, and she was really funny 
even when she wasn't super trying to be funny it like i don't know it was really yeah. good yeah she fits right in a great addition to these movies i really liked palm clementive's character again it's nothing to write home about per se uh, but it's a it's a fun character to kind of have on the side. It's a little more interesting than just the usual generic agent chases Ethan Hunt. You know, she has a little bit more about her as a character, which I enjoyed. I thought she was fine. Like, I thought she played the part she was given well, but it was just kind of like one more person chasing him. So it didn't really make a difference to me. And the way she connected to everything was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. But, I don't know, there's always one of those, and I appreciate that they spent a little more time making this one creative instead of just Russian agent chases Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I haven't seen the others, so I don't know. Uh, And then Issei Morales plays the main bad guy, and I would say he's, for me, he was fine. I think he plays the same character he plays in every other action (laughs) movie he's in. Yeah. Just like kind of bad. I'm pretty. Isn't he in Fast and Furious? I don't remember. Well, he's just very much common bad guy that he normally plays. Yeah, and you know, I think I don't know how much of his own stunt work he did versus having a stunt double and where you know face replacements might have been used, or maybe he did do it all. But it wasn't, you know. I was kind of hoping for some more spectacular moments from him, as this is kind of the building to the end of the Tom Cruise era of this. It'd be fun to see him take on an adversary who's doing crazy stunts like he is. Um, But, you know, at the same time, I think he does his role well enough. Um, And we'll talk more about, you know, the big bad and all of that and the plan and all of the the stuff behind all of this in in spoilers in just a moment here. Yep. Ready to go. Yeah. All right. Then we'll just head right into them. All right. Spoilers for Mission Impossible 7. I guess let's start right away, as I just said, to talk about who the bad guy really is and what's going on. It is Tom Cruise versus the Internet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's an AI algorithm thing. That has become sentient and evil. (laughs) Wow, what a surprise. And they created it thinking they could control it, but oh no, they can't. And now all the governments want to be able to control it, but you really can't. And so Ethan Hunt's like, I gotta destroy it. Yeah, because it can basically make you invisible to other, like, enemies. So, like, if you're in a submarine or something, as they do in the beginning, you can go right underneath, like, other ships and stuff and they can't see you. So that's good for war. And it can also make it so you can hack into any other government system without being traced or seen or even noticed. Um, So obviously every government wants it so that they can be the most powerful and take over the world and whatever. Yeah, and I mean, it works well enough and it controls um, Morales' character in a... Gabriel, I think he's called... Um, It controls him, quote unquote, and tells him what to do and predicts the most obvious outcome or whatever. Yeah, it's picked him as like a messiah, quote unquote, to like get the message along. But mostly it's just manipulating him to do what he needs, what it needs, because it's it doesn't have hands. (laughs) Yeah. And so it seems to have picked him because somewhere in the past before Ethan joined um, IMF, Gabriel shot someone important to him some woman not his wife not Yulsa, but some other woman that yeah. we don't know yet 
um and that's the kind of you saw it in the trailers but we didn't necessarily want to spoil it but it shot her gabriel shot her uh and then that is the crime around that or whatever is what led ethan to getting his opportunity at the imf um and so i guess we'll find out (laughs) why it's important but we don't in this movie really yeah you'd find out nothing about her she was the character (laughs) i was saying earlier i had to look up if she was in previous movies and i just forgotten or what the way they present it it seems like it's like a very very big deal but then they don't go into any detail about it yeah um so i guess wait until the next one and we'll know if it's actually satisfying or not but it's picked gabriel because he and ethan have this thing and it's pegged ethan as a potential threat to itself because ethan wants to destroy it instead of control it and he believes the or the ai believes it actually could come to pass that ethan is successful yep um i guess the only other kind of big spoilery thing is ilsa's character um gets stabbed in the heart and dies she ends up dying which is a shame i think rebecca ferguson was a good ilsa I knew she was going to die the second that the other lady was introduced, though, because from what I could see from both trailers and the character interactions, her and Tom Cruise were like a will-they-won't-they type of romance thing, but the minute he meets this new girl, it becomes like a will-they-won't-they romance thing, and I'm like, well, you can't have two, so it was pretty obvious one of them was going to die, and considering this new one was so likable and just barely introduced and the other one was barely in the movie, I could tell that it was she was going to die. Yeah, I wasn't sure because I know Ilsa's died and come back and all this stuff before in the previous ones. And as much as, yeah, there's a bit of will they, won't they with Haley Atwell and Tom Cruise, I wouldn't say I'm like 100% at some point in the future they're going to end up romantically together. Yeah, I think they, I don't know, because I haven't seen the other ones. It doesn't seem like he's very romantically involved with a lot of the characters. So it's not like a James Bond, but considering that's the only other action franchise that we've watched together, really, the spy kind, that's what I'm basing it (laughs) off of. But I was right, so. (laughs) Yeah, and so Ilsa, basically Gabriel and the entity, the AI thing, um, make it so either... Uh, Haley Atwell or Rebecca Ferguson's gonna die and Tom Cruise has to either pick which one or he'll pick and Tom Cruise refuses to choose one he's convinced he can save both um, and he's about to kill the entity is gonna kill Haley Atwell but then Rebecca Ferguson shows up and tries to kill him and ends up dying and yeah that's yep. what happens um, and during that process, Tom Cruise fights, what's her name, Pom Clementif's character, and then spares her life because he's not a terrible human. And apparently, in the end, even though she's been working for Gabriel this whole time, she decides that she's going to let him go. Even though he literally says, I can't trust you, you'll save Ethan because he spared your life. She then still lives which is i think partially why she did it to me was like oh this guy he then when he says that he then tries to kill her or stabs her in the stomach and then then she ends up dying um but yeah i don't know if i'm told by my boss oh you know you've done everything you can for him and then he says now you're gonna betray me and then tries to kill you i would be like okay fine i will betray you and then she Mm. does yeah i don't know i thought it was kind of 
a pointless thing. And then they make it like a really big deal when she dies yeah, and they're they all sad it. over it. And I was just like, okay. They do overplay yeah. her death. But yeah, um, I guess the only other stuff to kind of cover. Um, there is a train fighting scene yes. in this movie <laughs> as well. And as we know from previous discussions, <laughs> that is my biggest pet peeve in an action movie. But on top of a fight or on top of a train fight scene in this one is pretty short and the rest of the action inside the train is very good so i will give this one a slight pass because it made up for it yeah and i think the two things that made it work versus other train sequences um that it had to do with the movie (laughs) well that it had to do with the movie um but also just it the, the main part that worked is it felt like they were actually on a train, you know? Like when wind's whipping them in the face as they're climbing between cars, like their cheeks are getting pushed back and they're like, it feels like they're going to fall off any second and it is really dangerous. Um, and then the other thing is as it's slowly falling and they have to climb up each car and they only just make it out for the next car to then slip off was a very fun sequence. The piano falling the sequence piano was... was both so funny and adrenaline inducing. Yeah, like... Atwell's just like grabbing Tom Cruise, like no, 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 don't jump across, don't jump across, <laughs> and it's I'm like, yeah, that would that would have been me. <laughs> yeah, and so it's 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 a very good sequence. Um, Though yeah. that kind of brings me on my one complaint with this movie: some of the editing was a little wonky. Like there's a part where they're trying to escape the next car the train and then it just cuts to them at the top and then that one's falling and then you get through part of another one and then it's like it doesn't quite finish the sequence and just jumps to the next train car yeah a couple times that was a little odd um and then the big stunt the one that all the press has been built around is this driving a motorcycle off a giant jump and base jumping down to a train um and again tom cruise actually did it he was insane and jumped and did all of the stunt himself um but i think the two things that kind of hurt it obviously to be able to do the stunt safely they had to do it off an actual built ramp with scaffolding um and the cgi cliff he goes off of looks a little wonky to me i didn't think that i thought it was very like obviously no cliff is going to be shaped that way but I didn't look at it and go, that's a CGI cliff. Yeah. I don't know. I think there could have just been maybe like in the scaffolding on the shoot day, they could have built some of it, you know, covered it in poly like or um, styrofoam rocks or something just to give the VFX artists a little more reference or something. Cause it just looked a little off compared to the rest of the movie for me. Um, but then also after he jumps off, you had this great shot following him down and then it cuts to what might be, be the only like cgi double e kind of shot in it and then it goes in close on his face and he is literally his face is peeling off because he's falling off the side of a cliff and then parachutes his way down and so again it might not be it might just be some of the color grading that hollywood does now makes everything look a little glossy and stuff but there was a little bit in the middle there where i'm like why are we and maybe it's also just why are we cutting so much on this stunt you actually did it so hold your shot in my opinion It just looked like they did it with like eight different cameras and some of them weren't as high quality as others because they wanted to get this shot. You know what I mean? Like it was just like they wanted to be sure they had every angle possible for this. 
And so they used a bunch of different cameras and then they didn't really line up for the color grade. But I still thought it looked realistic and good. Yeah, I think you can do that, but maybe some of the other, like the behind the shot camera just doesn't work or the close up on his face, they only were able to get the second portion of it to actually look good. But just because you have eight different angles doesn't mean you have to use eight different angles. And so for me, it was a little, why are we cutting around this amazing stunt? versus some of the other stunts in this movie and in previous ones they'll hold the shot for the entire length of tom cruise's stunt because you don't have to cut around it sure your complaint for extraction two was no, not enough for the cuts. Stunt. this one was for too many cuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you know i'm glad there was no one take action sequence that goes on for 20 minutes thank god there wasn't that but again like actually you know during the car chases i think they had a very good balance of actually holding the shot through the drift and on tom cruise's face while he's you know spinning around and figuring out what to do next those car chases were so funny too with him and Haley atwell trying to figure out who's driving because yeah. they're handcuffed together <laughs> on so the wrong funny. side so yeah. it's like you either have to drive cross-handed or you have to let the other person drive and i thought that was like a fun twist on and it's also in rome just like in fast 10 so it's yeah. again it's like this is what you could have done fast yeah. and furious but instead you went the most generic route and this actually introduced some creativity into it my only pet peeve was when he's in the bug and then she hand- he's handcuffed to the steering wheel the fiat you mean or yeah whatever and he's all confused when she hands him a paper clip to unhook himself from the handcuffs when he's done it in previous movies and I'm like, why? Literally, the one we just watched, he unhandcuffed no. himself yeah, with a paper. Yeah, I clip. didn't think he was confused. Yeah, he like looked at it, and then he kept trying to do the handcuffs and couldn't get them. And then he just ends up taking off the steering wheel and is suddenly out of the car, but it doesn't show it. And yep. then all of a sudden, the train hits the Fiat and it's squished, and he's just out of it. Yeah, I think that bothered me. But that was the only sequence yeah. that I was like, that's silly. See, I didn't think it was confused. I think he was just. A, like processing that she got away from him and then that he couldn't get it undone in time because that's not something you can just do on demand with all your adrenaline pumping. But then, yeah, it does just, again, do the classic. We watch him, he's struggling, the train's about to hit, pulls wide, train smashes car. And we're like, oh, no. But obviously they didn't kill the main character partway through the movie. So, of course, he just magically was able to get the steering wheel off and walk out of there fine. And taking off a steering wheel, to me personally, seems more (laughs) difficult than uh, picking a lock. But maybe not. Maybe in those old old cars, it's easy. But, yeah. Yeah. I think that about covers everything. It's a good movie. Go watch it. Yeah. It'll be fun. What would you rate it? I will give it a... 9 out of 10. I think I'm about a 9 out of 10, too. Yeah. It was really good. It was really enjoyable, fun. It's a little long, I will say that. I think it could have been a little bit, maybe 15, 20 minutes shorter, and I wouldn't have complained, but it's not so long that you're checking your watch every five minutes. Yeah. But yeah, that's our thoughts on Mission Impossible 7. None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. Okay, for my pick this week, I chose the 2015 What We Do in the Shadows, written and directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, um, and it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was expect I've I watched it before, like a year or so, maybe no, maybe two years after it came out, and. I thought the same thing then, that it was fine, but now that my sense of comedy has shifted a little bit, I thought I'd like it more. 
And there were some parts that I did find really funny, but the part I liked the best was literally the last 30 seconds of the movie <laughs> where him and the old lady are talking about their age gap and stuff. And uh, just a reminder, we are going to go straight into spoilers for this one. Yeah. it does, That's not really a yeah, huge that's spoiler. that's not a spoiler, but... But, you know, he's like... <laughs> I know the age gap. Some of you look at me and you're like, what is this 96-year-old woman doing with the with a man three times her age or whatever? And it's like... And Taika's like 40 at the time of filming. Yeah, and it's like funny and cute and whatever. But besides that, it was like maybe five other times that I actually was laughing. And the rest I was kind of just like, okay. Yeah, I... I am a Taika fan. I went to film school in New Zealand. Um, yeah, he loves him. <laughs> I really like, especially his earlier work. Like, I really enjoyed Boy. I really like um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Love Hunt for the Wilder People. Jojo Rabbit. This was this one and was it Shark versus Eagle are like the only two in his filmography I haven't seen. Um, and I would not say this is his strongest film. Uh, it's not as bad as Thor Love and Thunder. Nothing is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a mockumentary about vampires in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, and slightly about also there's a whole like kind of undead community and werewolves and all these fantasy things. And it's filmed like a documentary. It's even, you know, partially funded by the New Zealand Documentary Commission or whatever they're called. Um, and it's... It's funny. It's clever. I feel like it's one of those movies, if you know it well enough to quote it, quoting it with your friends is funnier than the actual movie. Yeah. Um, I liked the interactions with the werewolves. I yes. thought that was like so the highlights funny. of the movie. Like, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> like, that's funny. That's cute. Whatever. Yeah. But... The whole dynamic was Stu. Like, all of it, when you say an individual part, like, oh, Stu, oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's Stu great. Is Love so what funny. happened with Stu. Oh, Vladimir's whole, like, you know, <clears throat> arrogance complex and stuff. Pretty funny. Vladislav. Vladislav, sorry. Um, is it? Wait, I might be lying. Yeah, Vladislav. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so all of that stuff, like, individually all the parts work, and technically every joke is funny but there's only a few like truly laugh out loud moments. And because the whole movie, there's not even a moment of seriousness. You kind of just sit there, not quite laughing, but you're not, not enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. And I think the two best characters or the two highlights are for sure Taika Waititi's character. And then um, Stu. Yeah. Um, I also kind of liked Nick, but only because he was usually with Stu. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. I think this movie, its greatest strength and its greatest weakness is that there is no plot or overarching story. It's not meant, you know, it's meant to be like a documentary, but even a documentary has a story it's trying to tell you. This was just like a, we have a bunch of funny ideas for what it would be like if vampires were in the modern day in Wellington. Let's shoot them. Yeah. As opposed to, like, we want to tell a story about something, and it happens to be this absurd comedy. Yeah. It's very much just a collection of scenes. It's very skit-like, where each each scene is like its own little skit, and then it completely moves on, and there's very few through lines across the whole movie that get resolved or have you know development or anything um so i think 
there's a version of this that's only like 40 minutes long that is hilarious and one of like a great piece of comedy this is what an hour and a half which is why i feel like the tv show does so well because people love the tv show which is why we want to watch it and those are like maybe 30 minutes to an hour i don't know how long the episodes are versions of this yeah so you can take one or two of these ideas do it for 20 30 minutes and then move on to the next one and it you know has no no issue of drive or keeping your interest and actually connecting with the characters because it's more skit like and you'd be able to do like an overarching storyline if you wanted to over the course of the series without having to focus it on one episode so we haven't seen it we're hoping it's funny and good as good (laughs) as people say yeah though i know this movie came highly recommended from many many people um and yeah i wouldn't say it's taika's strongest work yeah, I just um, don't think it's quite for me. Yeah, and I've only seen one episode of Fly of the Concords, I know. Um, and so I enjoyed that, but again, it was kind of similar to this. Um, and that's outside of Taika's other work, kind of the extent of my New Zealand comedy experience in movies. And so I think if you know what that is and you like it, you will enjoy this movie. There are many great beats of that very awkward weird kiwi humor but yeah you know it's it's a good fun movie to watch with like friends or something or whatever but or like in the background at a halloween party yeah but it's not we won't recommend it to other people per se but yeah what would you rate this one maybe like a five or a six like probably around a six because there was a lot of it that I did like, it just kind of fell flat for me in the end. Yeah. Um, I will give it a seven just in that I just do really... Just because you love him. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I love that type of humor. It was, you know, every couple minutes there's a good joke in there and there's good payoffs to these setups. It's just not overall a great movie or the best mockumentary ever made for me but yeah all right thank you for tuning into our podcast this week uh make sure you follow us on instagram and tiktok at nerd and normie and tune in every monday for a new episode and if you're listening on audio give us a five-star review it really helps us out and if you're on youtube like and subscribe Thank Thank you. you.